Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Today's one of those days with the show that I'm really going to try to contain myself and be professional for you because I really want to fangirl all over the place on this one. We love it when when the guests that we want to bring you line up with guests that you want to see. A lot of times on our Facebook page we will put um, ideas out there for the upcoming months. Who would you like us to have as a guest? And every single time, at least in the top three, many times the number one person is known as Rupert from Survivor. He's our favorite. He's a fan favorite. He's America's favorite. And he's our favorite. And so we love it when that lines up. And he's a very busy man, as you can well imagine but he agreed to come on, and we're thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have him. So thank you, Rupert, for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome, Lori. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's absolutely a thrill. Um, But I I do want to kind of um, start the show out and and have you answer, if if you can, um, your thoughts on the tragic passing of Kayla Banks and, and, and how that affects the Survivor family. You know, uh, he is the second survivor to pass, but the first one to pass, uh, you know, unexpectedly and just such a tragedy. Um, I never really got to play the game with Caleb, but I, you know, uh, uh, his significant other, Colton, who was such a good friend of mine when we were out playing the game and how we got together and got along in uh, the loser camp after, you know, and he just the whole Caleb Caleb was his whole world I I just I feel so bad for him and you know there's so many of the survivors uh not to wish anything bad on anyone but he was the last one that anybody thought would 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 pass oh my god mm-hmm. it was, it's just well, it's a tragedy I I think a, a lot of people you know were shocked but a lot of people really liked Caleb he, he was I, I think came across really well on that show your wife Got to play with them. That that was the the uh, the, the season that was blood versus water, and so right. he and Colton were playing, and you and Laura were playing together. Although you didn't exactly. last very long, Rupert. <laughs> you know, well, when you bring someone out to the game that you care more about than the game, uh, that was my you know I brought my Achilles heel with me, and they used it against me in the first five minutes. And that was uh, when, when they tried to vote Laura out and Jeff gave me the chance of trading places, there was not even a thought. Of course I'm trading places and letting my wife play the game, and I'll take whatever jeopardy she's going to be in. Oh, yeah. Did, did you have to twist her arm at all to get her to sign up for Blood <laughs> versus Water, or was she pretty willing to go? <laughs> you know, when... Uh, I've played the game. Like I say, I played three times before we went out this last time to play Blood versus Water together. So she's seen me. My wife and daughter have seen me come back from the game 
losing 50, 60, 65 pounds in the game, having skin infections so bad that they're worried about it turning into a blood infection, being so beat down and so tortured through the game, she always said she would never play the game. When Survivor asked me to come back and play, I said, of course, I'll play. Are we leaving tomorrow? They said, wait, wait, wait. We want you to bring a loved one with you. I thought about it for a minute, and I gave them my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew, my cousin, my uncle, my, you know, I didn't give them Laura. They talked to a few of my loved ones, and then talked to me and said, well, we like your brother, we like your cousin, we like some of your people, but we really want Laura. I told them that they have to ask. I'm not going to be the one that makes Laura play the game so she can be mad at me when the game hurts you so bad. She, you know, no, no, no. I said right then, Laura's standing right next to me. Here, let me give you her cell phone number. You ask her, you call her. Uh, we hung up. They called her immediately. I let her talk, but I was kind of listening in a little bit. And I heard her say, you mean if I don't play, Rupert doesn't get to play? Oh. Oh, my gosh. They were already manipulating her before she'd even said yes. The game had already started. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, CBS asked Laura to play, and Laura told them yes, Um, but I still kind of felt responsible. And, you know, like you say, when they tried to vote Laura out, I didn't make it very far because I traded places with her, but I couldn't believe that I was the only one that traded places with my loved ones. (laughs) That is true. And I will say, as, as a fan... Personally, I thought they did it wrong by by dividing you guys up. I thought it would be more dramatic to have the the loved ones on the same team because how much drama would ensue to live with somebody after you voted out their their person, you know? Um, So I was really saddened to kind of see them go on separate teams because I actually thought there would be more drama having to live with someone after you just voted their spouse or significant other out I thought you know that would be really dramatic but you know and there is the rumor that they're talking about doing another blood versus water but playing it different where you know the like Laura and I as the water team would play together on the same Mm -hmm. tribe you know against the, the blood teams that were the you know, brother and sister, or brothers, or you know, or family, or uh, you know, son and daughter. Or, yeah, that. Oh my gosh, I. Uh, that would have been, and that's kind of what we thought we were going to play. You know, we always have said we are the best camping team. I know. My wife and I, <laughs> on our first uh, uh, camping date, when my wife and I went out camping. I went out exploring one day and came back, and she was pulling an apple pie out of the fire for dessert for our dinner that she knew I would bring home. (laughs) It was amazing. You guys were made for each other. Oh, my gosh, yes. Now, you've played Survivor four times. You were uh, America's favorite all-star. In fact, they voted you. I was one of those people. I couldn't, I couldn't vote you fast enough for the million dollars. I, just, I was so happy to do that. I would do it again. Um, they probably won't do it again because you'll probably always be the 
you know, fan favorite for the for for the winner. But would you do it again? Would you go five times? Oh my gosh! I hope they call me back, and I'm that first player. I was the first one to do back-to-back survivors. Before me, they didn't really think your body was strong enough to do back-to-back survivor, and they really still kind of frown on it because the game is so hard. But, oh, I've, I've told them already, all they need to do is give me three or four days' notice, and I will change my schedule, I will rearrange whatever I need to, and I'm there. Oh, well, we love to hear that. That is music to our ears. <laughs> Uh, the You know, it is the toughest camping trip I've ever had, but there are so few tests in this world for your body, mind, and soul. That game will test you and show you exactly who you are. What advice for, what would you give to people thinking about auditioning for, for Survivor? What, what needs to come out in their audition tape? Well, you know, a lot of people just kind of point a camera at you, you know, especially now with the cell phones, and just uh, stand there and try and talk about who they are. Talk is cheap. I use home movies on my Survivor tape that I send in my little three-minute tape, but home movies for me are camping out in the Everglades and catching alligators and snakes and turtles, doing a state fair Survivor back in 2000, 2001, making it to the end of that, but bringing the wrong person back, pulling a... a, a a Colby pulling, just like pulling a woo now, where in this last game, woo brought back the winner instead of winning it himself. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, putting little things together. If you've got good home movies of you being really good, of you being really bad, of you being, you know, when you look at them and tell the whoever's taking a picture of you to turn the gosh darn camera off and they don't, and you've got some good footage of you being an idiot, oh my gosh, they CBS loves that stuff. <laughs> they we want to see, why? They wanna see yeah, who, who, what you're going to look like and who you are after you've been all beat up, not standing there just looking pretty talking to the camera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then on your application, you know, the page after page of questions and answers and application. And don't write a book, short, sweet answers. You know, a good example, uh, one of the questions was, what would you do for a million dollars? Well, you want to kind of be honest, but you want to also give an answer that is a little different and makes them think a little bit. My answer was, anything but have sex with a dude. <laughs> it makes you think, you know, you, you want to get a little bit of reaction. You want to get a little laugh or a little ooh out of your out of the people that you're reading your answers to. If you get that, put all that together, send it off. They'll call you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to be a little bit out of the box. Yes, you got to show them you're a little different. Every one of the survivors, the three, four hundred of us, we are all a little different, you know, in the, uh, they give you the, the MMPI, the multimedia personality testing, the emotional quotient, the IQ test. We all have high highs and low lows. We don't hit in that mid-range. We spike. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Everyone has this uh, fantastic personality. And so many of you are students of the game, and, and you just talked about Wu. And what is it about all of these 
fans that come out, students of the game, but yet time after time when they're in there, they continue to make the same mistakes over and over. And that we can see so clearly on, on TV as it unfolds. What kind of fogs everybody up when they're out there? You know, when you're out there in the game and you're so sleep-deprived, you, you can barely stand up. You're so dehydrated. You're so malnourished. You're so out of your element. Your safety zone is gone. After a few days of that, you, you know, you're, you start changing. You're, unless you're very strong of mind and strong-willed, you start really struggling you know you're not used to going through such deprivation and you forget the end prize you forget that you that all these people are going after the same million dollars you forget that people are lying to you and you start believing people <laughs> it is the craziest thing that was one of the things i tried to tell laura when uh, she was going into the tribe of returning players returning players come back like sharks they come back with a chip on their shoulder. They come back with the ability to lie, look you right in the eye, and lie to you. They come back with that vengeance, you know. Well, um, is, is, is that the biggest mistake then, is, is that we fall back into our trusting personalities? When you're so beat down, you just you start reaching and grasping, and that's kind of what I bank on. One of the reasons why I make it so far is I'll be that reassurance. I'll be that one that picks you up and makes you feel better. I'll be that one that pats you on the back and tells you exactly what you want to hear. 27 years working in the mental health field has not gone to waste on me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's great when you can kind of use that to advantage because you have to fall back on the fundamentals, really. And if, if that's so ingrained in you, psychology, that when the going gets tough and you are sleep deprived like that, at least you have some fundamental things to fall back on that probably come a little natural to you by now. Exactly right. Exactly right. What do you think the, the, the secret to winning, or is there a secret? You know, there is, you know, there's got to, there is a secret to winning, and Sandra would be the one to study because she is the only one that has came out and won the game twice without ever winning a challenge, without ever winning anything. Um, the secret, honestly, is, is playing the game where you're not a threat, but you're not a coattail rider. You're not a mm -hmm. decision maker, but you're not a lapdog. You're... You are sneaky enough that you can, you know, like Sandra has done in the jungle, belly crawl through the jungle, sneaking up on people and listening to conversations, but never get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's a, a hard thing line. to do. Yep, but as you said, yeah, fine line. Because at some point, the real you tries to maybe come out and overpower Exactly that. right. And, and it you, can, you can never really say that you won the entire game all on your own. There is still a very big element of luck. Because just like in the Heroes versus Villains where Sandra won the second time, if JT hadn't have given the immunity idol to Russell, 
their tribe would have never been the dominant tribe and none of them would have won. The hero tribe would have made it to the end. But JT's decision to give that power away through just enough power on a equal five to five merge that they were able to use two hidden immunity idols, flip it so that one of the heroes left and it put the villains in charge. Mm-hmm. So you can never really say you want it all on your own. There is a lot of luck, you know, because somebody can be doing something even on the other tribe that influences your game. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we're watching all of this. We actually have all the evidence as right. viewers. We're seeing it all play out, and, and, and you guys don't have all of that going on at all. When you're sitting there watching on TV, you get to see both sides. You get to see what they're saying to your face as well as what they're thinking in their head. That is a great advantage. You forget about that. When you're out there in the game, you don't get that whole other side of the game. You can't wait to get home and watch it on TV just to see what they were saying about you. (laughs) <laughs> and what do you think when, when you're watching it back on TV? Are you thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I missed that. I can't believe they thought like that. You know, it's uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, an eye-opener. When I saw Krista and Sandra and some of my team that I'd been feeding day after day after day, just killing myself, bringing food in, and they look at each other and say, you know, we could get rid of him. We could starve the last 10 days, the last 12 days. We, don't, we can't let him make it to the end. I never in a million years thought Sandra and Krista would say that about me. But, of course, they mm-hmm. did. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the side of the game you don't see. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when you guys are having your little testimonials off to the side, are you really alone, or, or do you guys try to listen in on what the – people are are telling the camera is that possible at all because everyone's always sneaking around hiding oh i know if there was any chance that there was somebody sneaking around we would not no one would say any of that stuff out loud because you don't want to get caught uh, they have enough staff around to kind of be patrolling while you're doing your little talk, while you're, you know, airing all the grievances that you can think of. <laughs> there are people walking around making sure that there is no other players close. If somebody does start walking close, they will turn them around and walk them away and stop everything. So it's not for lack of trying, though. They try. Oh, my gosh, they try. I mean, you saw even Tony making uh, little uh, spy shacks. <laughs> the whole time with Tony, we're just thinking, why are they keeping him? Why are they keeping him? Why are they keeping him? And <laughs> totally. And, and, and the game was really laid out for everybody, too. I mean, he was told, you know, everyone was told, if you do this, this is going to happen. And every single time it happens, you know, just like, you know, people kind of forewarn, but then Wu takes Tony right to the end, and you're just thinking, well, you know, write, write him the check. Just gave, laid the game out for him. There were so many times, and, you know, again, Tony won. He deserved it, I mean, but I would have liked to have seen Wu stand up and realize, oh, my gosh, I won the game, and take it. Right. You know, it's it. Like I say, you forget the end game. 
Wu actually thought if he stands up and is honorable, he's going to get all the votes. No way. Right. That never happens. You forget when you're out there, you have a different idea of what the game is really, how the game is really going. So. Do you guys keep in contact after? You know, uh, unfortunately, especially in my world, I have so many other things going on with my mentoring program, Rupert's Kids, and trying to spread that and opening up another chapter in another county here uh, in the next few weeks and uh, running our entertainment company and all our stuff and our real estate management and teaching so many young young participants how to make that that legal living. I don't have a whole lot of time. Some of them are able to go out and, you know, go do appearances together and go play around and do the, you know, the the reality conventions and different stuff. But I I kind of I I click back into my world and click back into my mentoring program and just kind of stay busy. I don't really get well, to since, keep up with too many of them. Well, since you are so well known and so well liked, have you approached by other TV shows? To, to do any other thing besides Survivor, and have you considered that at all? Oh, I, uh, I'm i still out there trying to get different get on different TV shows, and uh, uh, we're, I'm doing some voiceover stuff now and trying to get a voice agent and uh, just playing around. I've been on uh, UPN's Half and Half, and I was on uh, Yes, Dear uh, as a drifter, and a uh, couple little little parts here and there, and play it around, you know. Uh, well, and you know that that the public loves you, right? That that you you have to feel that. <laughs> I have to say, it is one of my favorite things to go traveling around the country. I do a lot of corporate speaking gigs and empowerment talks and different things. Corporations will bring me in for their uh, their yearly events or different stuff. Being able to run around the country and have so many people tell me why they voted for me or why they like me or why they're supporting me. Oh, my gosh. I love getting so much. I mean, we get fan mail from across the country and around the world. Sixty countries send us fan mail. Traveling around, just going city to city through the states or if when I do get to go uh, out of the country, how neat it really is to still just be me but everybody sees me as this big celebrity oh my gosh i love it (laughs) well do you still wear the tie-dye shirts when when you go out i'm sitting in my office right now in a tie-dye that my (laughs) wife made heck yeah my hands are still i'm trying to scrub the dye off before i go to a little county fair tonight uh, for a few hours, just spreading some information about our reentry program and how we can save every one of us can save money by instead of locking everyone up by putting people back to work by creating work programs and mentoring programs and vocational programs. But I'm trying to scrub the dye off my hands so people won't be <laughs> as leery to shake my hand. <laughs> yeah, I love tie dye. <laughs> do, do, do you have your own line of tie-dye clothes yet? Uh, I, I don't have my own line of clothes, but I am representing a line of one-step tie-dye kits, the Tulip tie-dye kit 
that gives you all the stuff you need and the instructions how to make my signature swirl pattern or uh, the accordion pattern or the crunkle pattern or the bullseye pattern or all different patterns. I mean, for Fourth of July, we're even making some red, white, and blue kind of stars and stripes patterns. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, and red, white, and blue, that'd be great. Yeah. We're making <laughs> some Halloween tie-dyes with a big orange center and then black uh, tie-dye, you know, black streaks away from it and putting a uh, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth on the big orange spot making it look like the jack-o'-lantern and creating Halloween tie-dyes. Too. We're going to have tie-dye for every season and every holiday. Cool. That is yeah. way, way cool. So you could be like Rupert. You can, and rupertskids.org is, is your foundation. Was that really one of the best things that happened to you out of the survivor experience, how you could kind of turn that and, into the Rupert's Kids? You know, we've ran our mentoring program since 91. We're coming up on our 24th year. Way uh, before Survivor. Way before Survivor. But before Survivor, we were known as Kids Hope, Kids Helping Other People Exist. And we only worked with uh, juveniles from 12 to 17. When I went out for my first Survivor, some wonderful entrepreneur out there bought Kids Hope, Kids Helping Other People Exist, and RupertBonum.com and .org. When I realized after I came back from Survivor, I could not have the domain names. I dissolved all of those, didn't stop the program, reincorporated that day as Rupert's Kids, bought all the domain names, bought everything. A month later, I won a million dollars on the fan, you know, All-Americans Tribal Council, was able to hire lawyers and accountants to help me get my nonprofit status back because I had just given it all away. Within nine months, I had my nonprofit status back, and we were up and running as Rupert's Kids. We are on our 10th anniversary right now as Rupert's Kids, but our 24th anniversary coming up as a mentoring program in the detention center. The best thing that happened from Rupert's Kids, though, is my program went from, you know, four or five kids, maybe ten kids in a big year uh, with Kids Hope to, gosh, we've got ten kids in the program right now. We've been just, just in 2014. We've had probably 20 kids go through our doors already. Wow. that's They've got to um, kind of be in awe a little bit when, when they actually see you. Um, the first time it is funny. The first time when they come, they're coming out of the detention center, or they're coming out of probation, or they're coming out of the off the streets, uh, and they meet me. They don't expect me to be just like them. They expect you know me to be that TV guy. But after a day or two of working side by side with me and seeing that anything I ask you to do, I am willing to do and am doing. Uh, anything that we do, I try and be the best at it and the hardest worker to lead by example. That little awe goes away pretty fast until you're out there in public then with others and they start taking pictures and they start asking for autographs. And even the kids in my mentoring program turn into celebrities then. That's <laughs> the neat part. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Well, these kids, you obviously have a soft spot in, in your soul 
for, for them and to have you as an advocate to kind of help them with their voice and get back on track, you know, it, it's hard to judge people when you're not in those situations. We don't know what we would do if we were born into the life of some of these children, and they've had to play real survivor in life right. um, just to get to where they're at now. You know, when in the system, if you've never seen anyone go to work every day, if you don't have a mom and a dad or two people or even one person in the house that cares about you, if you've never been told that that school is important, if you've only been taught that holding your hand out is the only way you're going to make it in this world, if you're a 14-year-old little girl and you're told, no, you can't have your SSI check, but if you make your own baby, you can have their check, if you were only shown how to break into houses for a living and never shown the legal side of how to earn a dollar, it's amazing what happens to you by the time you're 15, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. You are, uh, you already are three strikes down. You've usually got a felony or two behind you, uh, which makes it legal for the world to discriminate against you on housing, on employment, on most anything. Uh, and by then, uh, you're looking at another 40, 50, 60 years of struggling and probably living and dying in the system. Well, at $50,000 a year on average to lock someone up, I think that's disgusting. To take someone that is just hurting themselves with booze or pot or drugs or something and throw them in a violent jail cell, I think that's terrible. Um, There are so many other alternatives out there, and that's what we like showing. Well, I I commend you on that because I'm also a firm believer in, in, in that as well. And drugs, they can take people who come out of really good situations and, and, and have bad things happen to them. Oh, and yes. I am a believer in second and, and third chances, you know, there's, I mean, well, when you release someone that has never made a legal dollar in your life out back into the system with an electronic monitor that costs you $85 a week, a phone that you have to have tied to that electronic monitor, so you another 10 or 20 or $30 a week, and you have to have an address that they can check on, that the system can go and see you at, and you've never made a legal dollar in your life, Where do you think these guys are going? Where do you think these men and women go to make that money? They go back to what they know. We are not Mm -hmm. teaching them how to make a legal living. We're teaching them how to stay in the system and be beholden to the person giving them their dollars. And these are smart and clever people. Exactly right. Oh, my gosh. I can show a young man or woman that's hustled on the street for 15 years how to be a great entrepreneur. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh you just got to get a little education a little social skills a little business savvy and you go on with your world so many how of them that think- have those felonies i have to teach them how to be self-employed because nobody wants to hire them right off the bat right right exactly exactly i bet they would probably do good in the game of survivor oh i know they would we talk about it all the time. We'd love to do an inner city survivor. Let's drop up 10, 10 you know, fancy pants mm-hmm. people off in downtown Compton. <laughs> you know, right. it's downtown, downtown, <laughs> almost any downtown big city. 
and see how they survive. Oh, you know? it's a, it's a way of life. It's it, it's a mentality. We we lived in a, in the L.A. area um, for many 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 years, and my husband worked for the airlines, and he would drive back and forth to LAX, and they had a carpool. And we were down there during the riots and and that type of thing it was again kind of a, a really crazy time. And one day they were driving back, and it was it was the 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 the, the day of the riots, and um, his carpool van was. Um, uh, multicultural, you know, there are black people and white people and Hispanic people. And when that was going on, the whole van, he said, was saying, we cannot break down because we cannot survive. Everybody in that van was like, we cannot survive <laughs> if we break down, in, you know, here because we haven't come from that, you know, mentality. I laugh, you know? but it's true, you know, and some of my best mentors are not my degreed mentors. They are the mentors that we have raised out of the system that have no real training other than the school of hard knocks, but understand the life that these young men and women are coming from and understand how you get yourself out of it, how you look right at the drug dealers, the smashing grabbers, these people that could even be living in your own home, that could even be your own family. And you say later, and you let later never come. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mm-hmm. say no because, you know, there's a big stigma of, you know, what are you? You can't do, you know, uh, you just say later. I'm busy now, later. And let later never come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get yourself exactly. together, get yourself out of that situation, figure out how to make those legal dollars, and turn your life around. Well, and, and I will say that, you know, again, having been around some um, people who have, been in, in that culture, they, they have kind of their own code of ethics. I mean, they have an ethical code among them. Um, they value a lot of the same values that, that we do. They, um, there's still a lot of good in just trying to survive in outside the legal bounds a lot of times. 100%. I would say 99% of the young men and women that I've gotten my hands on out of the detention center have done good. They haven't all succeeded, but they have done good. There is some good in them, and they do have that conscience, that, that little peace inside of them. Now, there will always be 1% out there that just seems like they don't have a conscience. That's fine. There's, you know, there's, there's a prison system set up, but I'm I, literally we could cut our detention centers in half if we stopped locking the nonviolent offender up and we just put them into work programs and drug and alcohol classes and education programs and gave them that ability. I mean, literally, it's fifty thousand dollars to lock someone up for a year. What kind of services could you provide for one year uh, at fifty thousand dollars? I, I mean, it's five or ten thousand dollars a year to feed, house, clothe, and train a young man or woman to to take care of themselves in our program because the work that they do after a while they start actually earning the dollars that you're paying them, and they learn how to take care of themselves, and then they're often on their own. And it ends. It's not an endless entitlement. It's an empowerment program. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. 
And people can find out by going to rupertskids.org. They can find out more information. Is there anything that we can do? Do you need anything from us? Is there, how, how can we get behind you and, and help you? You know, uh, what we're doing is trying to spread our program, honestly. Um, being just getting the awareness out there of what we're doing and how we do actually. I mean, I ran for governor in 2012 in Indiana and made Indiana history, had the most votes of any third-party candidate in Indiana history, Harry Scary Little Me. And I did it with $75,000 against my competitors that had $20 million. But mm-hmm. I was talking about the solution to the cause of our problems, not dealing with the symptoms, dealing with the cause, bringing back vocational ed in our schools, bringing back a reentry program in our detention center, bringing, doing things that actually create workers and create a strong society. Honestly, across the country, what I need from people is seeing what we're doing and talking about changing the system, letting the lawmakers know that they are our employees, not our rulers, letting people know that there are answers out there to the violence problems and the overcrowding in the detention centers. But we have to look at programs like I've been running for 20 years that are showing successes. They are quietly being run. They're not the multi-million dollar companies. They're the companies that, I mean, I don't even get paid from Rupert's Kids. I, it's my hobby, and I, pay, I just had to put another, well, anyway. Um, there are <laughs> answers out there that are viable answers for our toughest of our problems. Um, hopefully we will be able to show more and more awareness of the reentry program, of, the, of a work program, of a vocational program, of uh, you know, the empowerment programs where we need to stop the entitlements, but we can't just cut people off. Would you run again? I, you know, I don't know that I can afford it in 2016, uh, what I'm hoping is I will have a few counties and a few more templates behind us showing a drop. In Indianapolis, we could save $5 million to the city, but it's eclipsed by the billion, with a B, billion dollars we spend locking our problems up. I go to some of these smaller communities doing the exact same thing that I'm doing on a small scale and show a $5 million, $10 million savings to the community that only spends $50, $60, 80000000 million locking their problems up, and I can show a 5 or 10% savings. At the same time, show a drop in the recidivism rate. At the same time, show an increase in the property values because you're working on all the abandoned board of properties in the community and eliminating them and bringing them everyone's neighborhood back up at the same time show an increase in the success in the the high school graduation rate because you're not just giving a select few vocational ed you're giving all that needed vocational ed if i can do that and stand up and say this is what we've done with no government dollars and no government involvement this is what i wanted to do for the state are you ready yet that's mm-hmm. when I will get people standing behind me saying, oh, my gosh, he's got the answers. 
So, we need to get you on a few more survivors, too, so we can just keep having you out in front of people. <laughs> I'd love that. I would love that. Just like Dancing with the Stars a few years ago asked me if I'd do it, and I said yes, but the ABC executives didn't want to promote a CBS reality star. Maybe now that I'm getting a little more known for other things, maybe Dancing with the Stars would take me. <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious. Well, that is a great example of what cutting off your nose despite your face because they their ratings would be through the roof. People would be so thrilled if you were on Dancing with the Stars. That, that's a crime in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm any good at dancing or even have rhythm, but I would have a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely you would. And that's Heck why yeah. we love you, Rupert. That's exactly why we love you. I thank you so much for coming on. I, I know I told you 20 minutes, and, and you were just so generous with your time and really doubled that for us, and it's absolutely been a thrill. And hopefully maybe someday you'll come back on. I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> you get a hold of it. Now, well, I have to say there's a lot of people across the country and around the world trying to grab me, but you got our contact info. You keep contacting. We'll get another one scheduled. All right, I will do that. I will do that. I, and I'm going to write some letters of my own and see if I can get you on Dancing with the Stars. And I, I, I want the Survivor to bring you back like yesterday. And uh, and I want everyone to go to rupertskids.org and support Rupert. He's doing a really great thing on his own without any government involvement. This is a grassroots. It's it's for the people, by the people. And this is oh, exactly yeah. the type of things that, that, that we support. And oh, I yeah. can't personally thank you enough, Rupert. Um, oh, it's no, it's people you, like Lord. you that are, that are changing the world. Yeah. Hey, just like I say, and I tell our kids in our mentoring program, don't ever believe it when somebody says one person can't change the world. Oh, my gosh, one person can change the world, and I'm definitely an example for that. Every one of us has that power. Absolutely. Rupertskids.org. Thank you, Rupert, for coming on. Uh, stay with me. This is Jessica Lynn calling me home. Uh, Jessica's from right here in Seattle, and we'll be right back. I try to remember, but I try to 
like to thank our listeners, our guests, and of course our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.